Watch it, you've been, you've been recording this whole fucking time. <laughs> I'm recording right now, so hopefully this, uh, this, uh, <laughs> the thing gets picked up, the doohickey. Hopefully. Mm. Anyway, hey guys, what's up? This is Couch on Fire Podcast. I'm Rob. That's Griffin. <laughs> if you're new to the program, I'm the best motherfucker that ever it was or will be. You know, run the. Uh, I, I wonder what kind of viewership does the Afterburn get compared to the main series? So, um, so it, honestly, it just depends. Um, a lot of the the earlier Game of Thrones stuff that we were covering, we got a lot of views. The later seasons, mm. not so much. And yeah, people were dropping off this shit same as we were. Yeah, I think that like um, that and it just depends. I mean, our the second best episode I think viewer wise for Couch on Fire is one of the episodes that we did in the Afterburn. I think it was the very first episode we did in the Afterburn, talking about the Afterburn, but also going over I think uh, VHS and things like that too. Ah, yes. So that was good. I think, uh, like I said, I, you know, things get oversaturated. I think once we started talking about Game of Thrones and it started to get to a, port, a part where people don't want to be spoiled, not that many listeners. So, mm -hmm. yeah. But, um. Fucking Neelas. <laughs> but this episode is not going to be an episode of The Afterburn. So mm -hmm. I hope you prepare for that. No, I, I have no preparation whatsoever. I'm going in completely fucking well, blind. I don't even know what we're going to be talking about today. I'll tell it's going to be fun. I'll tell you one second, but before we before we talk about that. So, yes, Couch on Fire podcast is a wonderful podcast. Thank you for everyone that's been listening, supporting. We've been doing some crazy things in the last week and a half, and it's amazing. We, uh, In case people that don't know, we have a little mini-series called The Afterburn, which is still couch on fire podcast but it's just more of talking about one topic and trying to stretch it out longer than an hour or two or whatever so that's what uh griffin and i mostly do um most of the time you do hear alex my other co-host he is away right now on business trips and stuff so i always go resort back to uh griffin for my mm -hmm. other co-host of uh you know since he's couch on fire i mean um well, I lost my train of thought. The afterburn with me. So, yes. Yeah. So this episode, though, is just going to be a regular Couch on Fire episode. Um, Alex is actually doing something cool, too. I just want to give everyone notice. Uh, definitely check out one of our other episodes called Pillow Talk. I'm trying to convince them to do Cushion Talk because, you know, Couch on Fire, Cushion. Ah. ah see what I did yeah, there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we'll see. Um, it's where him and his fiance sit down and kind of answer questions and just talk about life. They're, you know, they're their love story, sex, and things like that. So it's pretty cool. I hope it. Uh, hope you guys check that out. But anyway, mm -hmm. yes, I called you. I texted you today because I was like, you know what? I feel like recording. I want to record something. I happened to go to Guitar Center today, and I just saw all the cool DJ stuff, all the little microphones and things like that, and I just got the itch. And I was just like, okay, I'm going to message him. I'm going to see what he's doing because I know Alex is busy. I know Game of Thrones comes on tonight. Um, and we'll be doing a final mini series on the Game of Thrones thing later this week. But right now, I just wanted to sit down and talk to you. Are you ready? About as ready as I'll ever be. What are we talking about? <laughs> All right. So one of the th we've we've kind of touched base on this before, Griffin. And mm -hmm. but it's been it's always on my mind. And now li living in a tourist area, it's more 
on my mind than anything else before. So what a lot of people don't know, and I, I'm sure you know, I used to own my own business. It wasn't a big business. It was just kind of like I, you know, I hustled beard oil. I made it homemade, beer palm, all that good stuff. But I've mm -hmm. always said, like growing up, there's three things I've always wanted to do. One, I've always wanted to be a radio disc jockey. Unfortunately, I listened to people and I didn't go that route. They said I had a speech impediment and I wasn't um, competent enough to do something like that. The second thing, I've always wanted to be a chef. Now, with that said, being a chef, I just I endure food so much, and I just I've always loved doing food. I remember watching, you know, the Food Network with my grandmother when it was literally only Emeril Agassi and like The Iron Chef. That was probably the only two shows that were on there at the time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I just remember like trying to mimic it, and where no one was home, I'll be at the island like cooking a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, but I'll be talking like I'm talking to the camera. It was weird. These are things that. Oh, uh, I remember doing that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just it's just fun. And then the last thing was I always wanted to open my own business. Now the reason why I'm bringing this up is because um, it's still on my mind, but I want to own a fucking food truck. And I was thinking, I was like, man, you know, if I ever pulled that trigger. You would be the first motherfucker I would call. Oh Christ! <laughs> so I, I yeah. Go well, on. in um, in response to that, I actually wanted to see if I could find a way to work this story in. Uh, a time when my family was out of town, it was just me at the house with the dogs and everything, and I had an idea, kind of kickstarted my whole obsession with food, mm -hmm. um, for cooking and stuff. I wanted to cook a full meal just for myself by myself. And mind you, I'd never really worked with a whole lot of food or anything like that before. I've been cooking like little meals and stuff ever since I was about 13 years old, but never like a full on, you know, entree, sides, all this kind of shit. And I decided, hey, let's go extra crazy. Let's do like ethnic food. We're going to do authentic, like it's either Mexican or Haitian, depending on who you talk to. It's, um, <laughs> the fuck is it called? It's not chicharrones, it's um, carnitas. Yes, it's carnitas um, yes, uh, with a side with a side of patatas bravas, uh, little fried potatoes called brave potatoes in Portuguese, I think. Uh -huh. um, and I almost burned the kitchen down. <laughs> the stove was on fire. Uh, how old like, were you when you were doing this? I was like 14, 15, something like that. How the fuck did you even fathom in your brain to make something like that I can't even spell those words <laughs> when I was 14 I was trying to cook like I don't know chicken <laughs> yeah well it's it's just I've always it's 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 weird because at the at one time I'm obsessed with trying new and more challenging things and kind of pushing myself seeing what my limits are but at the same time, whenever I hit my limits or something goes wrong, I always panic and get really stressed out and angry, like, really fast. Like, you've seen me get mad before at work. Like, it happens super fucking fast. I go from irritated to, like, red rage in about two minutes. Yeah. It was the same thing cooking at home. It was a fucking disaster. Um, the carnitas came out beautifully. Like, it was, it was amazing. I was throwing all these kinds of weird spices I never thought would go with pork, like orange and cinnamon and stuff, and... You know, you braise it in its own fat and stuff. It's this incredibly unhealthy dish just thrown on a taco or something. But where I really fucked up was the potatoes, the patatas bravas. It's supposed to be fried in oil in a cast iron skillet. 
and I put the oil in the skillet and everything, I filled it up way too high. <laughs> For those listening at home, do not ever fill a skillet or a Dutch oven or any, if you're frying something, don't ever fill it more than half full because stuff has a tendency to boil over. If you've ever dropped a an ice cube into like room temperature soda, imagine that but with boiling oil and it's a pretty similar uh, experience. I almost had a boil over and then I got it under control. And I thought, okay, everything's going fine. The potatoes are coming out a little burnt. That's cool. You know, oil's getting a little dark. That's fine. And then everything was done. Everything was seasoned and everything. I had everything on the plate. And the oil was still kind of boiling. So I go to push it off the burner and I push the pan way too fucking hard because I'm a little kid and it's cast iron. It's heavy. So it slammed into the side of the stove and it was almost like a wave effect. Like the oil came up. <laughs> boop, boop, Went up, over, fucking everywhere. Hit the burner, ignited. Flames shooting two, three feet in the air. I start freaking out like, oh, fuck, oh, fuck, oh, fuck. I grab a giant, like, five-pound bag of flour out of, the, uh, out of the cabinet. Now, don't ever do this. If you ever, if you set something on fire in your kitchen, especially if it's a grease fire, don't ever put fucking flour on it. I don't know how I'm still alive. Because flour dust is explosive... I basically threw a grenade on top of a burning vat of oil on my stove and it didn't explode because I guess the gods have a plan for me or something. Yes. For whatever reason, this old shitty Walmart flower just, it was like a CO2 bomb and it put the fire out. Well, that's, that's the first thing. See, and then it's a Walmart, it's Walmart flower. So that pretty much means that it's uh, made out of, uh, it's like sawdust. Yeah. (laughs) Sawdust and old lentils. Um, (laughs) And so then my dumbass is sitting there just trying to scrape the the burning hot oil off of the burner with like a little little bread thing, that little bread scraper thing before yeah. it catches fire again. Because I can see it starting to smoke under all the flour. And then I have another like big ass thing of like Morton salt. And I just rip the top off the box of salt and just dump that on there. And that did the trick. That's what you're supposed to do apparently. You're supposed to put salt on it. Yeah. Didn't realize that at the time. I don't know how the fuck... Well, I still have my eyebrows. And I'm still alive and you, stuff. You were 14 years old. How are you supposed to know that shit? I didn't know that shit. I mean, the only thing, well, I, just, the only thing I knew before I was 14 was stop, drop, and roll. <laughs> dude, you got to understand, my entire life has been, like, there's so many times where I should have been dead, but just through sheer fucking luck and me being a complete fucking idiot and doing the opposite of what you would normally do in that situation, <laughs> I just, I sneak through. Well, like I, okay. Yeah, and then I I spent the entire next two days before my family got back just scraping burnt, broken bits of oil off of the the kitchen stove. I had it almost perfect by the time they got back. There was like a couple little black spots, and they were asking me, and I said, oh, you know, I I, I burned a grilled cheese or something like that. It took me six years to actually tell them what happened. And they looked at me like I was a fucking idiot. (laughs) Like, you put flour on top of burning oil. Ugh. I should have died. I really should have died. That would have been a quick end to my culinary career. And just as a as like a look as to how that's gone for me since then, um, when you texted me, when I responded, I said I had a lot of cooking to do, and I wasn't kidding. Yeah. To, today, I wanted to try, because it's my day off, I wanted to try doing a complete full course again, only Italian food this time. Italian food has always been kind of like my weak point. It's something that I've always loved to do. Yeah. 
And it's always been something if I can be a little bit, you know, less than humble, it's been something I've been extremely good at. So this morning I got up at the ass crack of dawn, probably about 10, 1030 and made pasta from scratch by hand uh, to fill raviolis with, made the filling and everything. And then I made two loaves worth of bread dough again by hand. Um, just because I'm, I'm too lazy to clean a stand mixer, but not lazy enough to like make bread by hand. Um, that's still proofing. It's going to be a couple hours for that's ready to bake. And then just got done making the red sauce uh, before I got on here. It's going to simmer for about four or five hours. Like all this shit. And I almost died the first time I actually tried to cook food. Well, I mean, kind of amazing. It's one of those things that's like trial and error. You you gotta sometimes you gotta mm -hmm. fall, you gotta burn yourself. You know, real mm -hmm. cooks, like if you actually meet like a real chef or you meet someone that's been you, you could tell they've worked in the kitchen. They's got they got burnt, they got like like people that work in the bakery, you see like little burnt marks on them. You see like I mean mm -hmm. this is trial and error. Meat cutters. You know you got scars somewhere. So it's just one of those things where it's like you know, eventually it does happen. It's just trial and error, and it does happen. Um, it's yeah, kinda, so it's, it's kind of funny that you brought up talking about uh, some some uh, your your first dish that you really tried to do was like uh, um, like Spanish food or Mexican food, if you mm -hmm. want to say, because right. because um, the whole the food truck thing, like I've always wanted to own a food truck. I don't know if I can do it though, just because like I love cooking, but I don't know if I can cook for other people. If that makes sense. And, oh, I understand completely. Yeah, and I, you know, honestly, like for the longest time, I was like, okay, well, taco trucks, easy, easy money. Tacos are easy money, but there's so many out there, and it's like, oh man. So I've always had a dream about food trucks, and you know, I have this. You guys can't see it, but you probably can't even hear it either. But I have this little book that I have. It's a whole bunch of business ideas and things like that. And you know, one of the things that I, I'm gonna let people know. So if you steal this idea. Uh, I, I I can't do anything about it. So it, <laughs> <laughs> idea you got. pretty much go right ahead. Well, one of the things that I want to do, since I love cooking so much, but I really don't know how well I can cook. If I ever came across enough money to own my own business, I, I told you this idea before. Uh, a place, mm -hmm. I, I would call it the trailer park. I would own a big chunk of land, um, put it somewhere where, the, you know, I, I'm, I live in Myrtle Beach, so it's a little tourist area, but a little big chunk of land. And I would rent out spots. Like I would create some kind of like always a place for food trucks to be, if that makes sense. So basically I would have a pavilion where people can sit. I would have tables, I would have trash cans. I would have permanent food trucks that are there, like maybe like a, a drink truck, maybe an alcohol truck, or maybe, you know, and then like a, two other food trucks. But then the other like 10 to 15 spots I would rent out to food trucks. So every weekend, if you know a different food truck would come in, they would pay me rent a lot fee and then they would you know, do whatever they want for that weekend, and then they would leave. I wanted to do something like that in Charlotte because I thought it'd be cool. Because have you ever been out with someone, friends, girlfriend, or anything, and basically they're like, "What do you want to eat?" I don't know. I don't, you know. But there's no cafeteria setting, or there's no food court setting on the outside. Unless you're in a mall, there's a food mm -hmm. court, and you're like, "Oh, I'll get Chinese while you get pizza." So why not have something similar to that, but in a food truck f format? But I would have a pavilion, so if it does rain and things like that, and you know, I, I had this big, huge plan for this, and I still have. I think this is a great idea. But recently, um, you know, I've been working, doing this podcast, not really thinking about it. But I, I love watching cooking shows and things like that on Netflix, on Food Network. But recently, because I have been 
chugging along on this diet, the keto diet for a while. Um, I've been off and on, but up and down. It's really hard to find good places that have good keto food. So I was thinking to myself, Griffin, what if mm -hmm. there was a keto food truck? Like someone that would make food that's keto friendly. And you remember, you know, keto, keto, keto in a nutshell is low carb, no sugar, all natural food, like grass fed beef, like nothing, no preservatives in their animals, all greens, really no other uh, vegetables, it's mostly all greens, like stuff that you can grow and hunt. That's just like the, 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 like the basis of the keto diet. So like, why not have a food truck for that? And I just thought that was a, a really cool idea. I love the idea of the trailer park, especially from a business perspective, because if nothing else, like all these different holidays come around, Cinco de Mayo and shit. Yeah. You could conceivably customize that to where it's uh, you could. all the different types of Latin cuisine are, are there, you know, like Salvadorian, Ecuadorian, fucking Dominican, all that shit. Well, I thought, I, I thought it'd be cool because, um, yeah, you, you have different things. Like if I, one day I'm like, man, I'm really hungry. But I'm in the mood for French fries and gravy, poutine. So you go to the, you go to, you know, there's a poutine food truck that happens to be in town this week. They can advertise it, you know, like my only issue is, and maybe you can help me with this. I don't know mm -hmm. how I would, you know, the only three ways I know how to make money out of that business. See, I don't know the whole business part of that. Like, how would I make money? So obviously a lot fee. When they come in, they would rent a lot. So say they're here Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. They would rent, you know, it would either be, you know, let's just shoot a number out there, $200 a day. So whatever they make is profit for them. Now, the only other way I know is to provide them with electricity, uh, propane on like, you know, and water. So those three things right there, I can say, hey, if you run out of your electricity, you can rent my electricity. Just pay me how much it is. Or, or if you run out of propane, I have a propane thing right here. We can get you more propane, but you're going to have to pay me for the propane. You know, yeah, it would have to be a lot more than two hundred dollars a day too. Because, <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I mean, if they... nothing else, like the people are gonna need a place to eat, you know, yeah. and the vendors sure as hell ain't gonna provide paper plates and napkins and shit. So presumably, you're gonna have to have this like rotunda kind of area, like a whole bunch of chairs and shit, probably under that umbrella um, that you were talking about, that giant umbrella. Yeah, or maybe like a gazebo type well, deal. Well, I was thinking like a half of a like airport hangar. You know what I'm saying? Like a hangar. Mm -hmm. Like a really yeah. – try to get the feel of the trailer park-ish. You know, nothing like extravagant. And then even some like would do special nights. Like sometimes people like uh, watching movies under the stars. drive throughs uh, was it drive-in movie theaters are kind of almost obsolete. There's still a couple mm -hmm. left. I know because there's still one in Baltimore near, near where I grew up at. But there's, they're kind of obsolete. So why not bring that back but in a smaller scale? Obviously, you know, instead of in your car, you park. I have a parking lot. You go up. You get food. You can hang out. Maybe on weekends we do live music. I don't know. We do something. And then on at nighttime during the week, you know, like we can have like a family night where we're playing like some cool-ass movie on the screen and people can get food and just sit down there. Um, I don't know. I mean, I've, I have all these great ideas for this whole thing. Um, but in the end, the reason why this stemmed is because I love cooking. I do. Like, I'm about to cook wings as soon as I get off this podcast. Like, I am – I love – that's one of the reasons why I was so intrigued to, to learn, you know, meat cutting when I worked for Harris Teeter. Like, mm -hmm. I just love – I love the, the cutting of the knife, learning the techniques of the knife. Like, I, I – it took me years, but I, I, I think I mastered how to cut – um, tomatoes pretty damn fast. <laughs> like, I'm just like, excuse me. <laughs> 
Um, no, don't feel bad, man. Half of mine still ended up looking like a fucking doorstop. So, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, my question for you would be: you, you talked before this whole trailer part thing about you actually operating and owning a food truck yourself. Yeah. If you could, and monetary restrictions weren't a thing, like this is strictly in the realm of fantasy, yeah. what style of food would you serve? Well, right now, like I said, right now, if it was pure money and enjoyment, it would probably be – I would like to try the keto one. But the thing that I love to eat the most, if I wasn't on keto and I love to eat the most, and it's it just sucks because it's a very oversaturated thing. I, I love – I want sliders. I like sliders. I like the idea of small, you know, like, like why not have small um, hamburgers – like just just serve three three sliders in a dish, like three little hamburgers. I mean, you could do mm. hamburgers, you could do turkey burgers, you could do turkey burgers with cranberry sauce on it for Thanksgiving. You could do you could do chicken and waffles, a little little tiny pulled chicken. pork. Yeah, you could do pulled pork. You could do a little tiny chicken nugget, basically in between two little waffles. I mean, there's so many sliders. It, the term it doesn't have to be burger. You could do so much. You could even do a falafel, if you really wanted to. I mean, there's so many things. You could do a vegetarian thing. You could do a vegan thing. Vegan will be a little hard because they don't even like being in the same area as when people cook meat because of the air. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, you know, but I definitely, if I had if I had the money right now and the means, if I would call you up and say, Griffin, I need you to do, if you don't want to do this with me, that's fine. But you, I need your, your taste buds and I need your help with designing a menu. I'm <laughs> hey man, look, I'll, I'll take money to consult all day long. You know, <laughs> just keep me away from the fucking health inspectors. We'll be good to go. <laughs> what are you talking about? You have like, you should know Any what they look for. <laughs> well, yeah. Any the problem is anybody with a clipboard and a suit scares the shit out of me. Yeah, like I, I feel this primal urge just to run as far as I can. Mm. Any anybody that can kind of fuck with my with my means of making a living. And especially anybody who's got a list, who's got a little checklist, they scare the shit out of me. And especially, I've been doing some reading on food trucks myself because it's not an uncommon thing. People want to open a food truck. It's a, it's a great, like everybody's seen Chef. Chef's an amazing movie oh, about yes. that, that exact thing. Um, health inspectors are notoriously hard ass about food trucks. Understandable because there's a lot more like room for contamination mm -hmm. but like they go over you with a fine tooth fucking comb dude and any fines they levy they can even shut you down if it's bad enough um but the whole if nothing else my here's a free consultation all right free of charge if you do decide to open this trailer park thing charge a hell of a lot more than 200 dollars a day because there's some uh, food trucks up in new york that pay like a hundred thousand dollars for a license to op to operate, no, I think it was actually closer to a million to operate in some of these like really populated tourist spots and stuff. Yeah, and they're still making money hand over fist. Yeah. It's one of the reasons why the food truck is such a popular idea. There's so little overhead, like you don't have to well, pay for a building and a whole bunch of staff and stuff. Well, yeah, I mean, when uh, so when I ever di when I dive myself into an idea or something, I I try to do so much research, and I've read I've read I've watched videos and I've read things about food trucks about how you know, an average restaurant, you're, you know, you're putting yourself in debt half a million, maybe even over a million dollars. A food truck, mm -hmm. the most expensive part of the food truck is the truck, and that's $30,000. So realistically, you can get a great food 
business truck up and running with $50,000, maybe 60. And I know that that sounds like a lot to average people like us, but to people that actually, you know, owned restaurants and stuff, that's, that's chump change. So yeah, I mean, it's definitely cheaper to do. Um, yeah, I mean, I was just ballparking ideas out there. I mean, you know, my biggest thing, because you have to understand too, if I had a place like that, the trailer park thing, um, I would have to charge a good amount because I would also provide the staff. I would have to provide people that go around and clean up the trash. I would have to provide mm -hmm. people that clean the utilities. So, so like, am I going to be renting urinals or am I actually going to eventually build a restroom on this property that I own, you know? And then remember, and you remember, I mean, if you on a good Saturday, you're going to see close to two, 3000 people in this restroom. Mm -hmm. And it's a tourist town, so bums and stuff are going to sleep in it overnight and things like that. So there's so many variables to think about it, but I'm still passionate about it. I still – I look into it. There's a big chunk of land here in a Myrtle Beach. I pass it every day, and I look at it, and it's like right in prime Myrtle Beach. It used to be an old mall, and it, they tore it down. They do the they do a, um, a car show there, but it's like, man, that would be perfect if I can just – pop that shit right there because you can walk from the beach over to there it's just perfect but it all involves money and money i don't have so story of my fucking life <laughs> but no um yeah i mean that that man we just rambled on for a little bit there about that food truck yeah thing, so. yeah but no what about you if would you ever would you do you like food truck would you want a food truck would you want to do something like with a food truck ah <sighs> I'm really torn on that because for all intents and purposes, that should be like, that should be my goal. You know, I've always loved food, you know, culinary stuff, um, cooking in general and not really dealing with the public in particular. You know, it's great. It's like, here's your John Belaya, go fuck yourself next. You know, it's it sounds great, but I think the... I've always been a, a big component of you should never do what you love for a living because you won't love it for long. You know, very cynical viewpoint. It's like the opposite of, you know, do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. Uh, I work all the fucking time doing stuff that I, I used to love and now I fucking hate it. <laughs> so I, I think I would like owning a food truck, but I could never operate one. I could never be there. I would just have to be like the silent partner, the guy in the shadows. You know, I'd love to go sit down and eat at my fucking, my gumbo stand every Thursday or something like that. But I could never be back there with with an apron on actually cooking the stuff. For one thing, because I I don't handle criticism very well, as you know from, uh, from working with me. <laughs> Especially if I don't think the criticism is warranted or intelligent. And if you've ever worked in any kind of culinary thing before, you know that the people who dine out are usually fucking stupid. I, I shouldn't say usually. They have the potential to be really fucking stupid. Like, you know, they'll ask for, say, like a medium rare on their steak, and then they'll say, why is this pink? I wanted it brown in the middle. You know, and they'll send it back, and you have to throw away this perfectly usable steak and cook them something that's cooked to shit. Well, you know, there there are... Well, it takes a while to get to that level, but there are chefs out there that are like, you eat what I give you. You don't, mm -hmm. They don't even have menus. Like I, I, I watch, I watch these shows, and it's so funny. Like they make, they make beautiful little. They look beautiful, eye pleasing, um, dishes, but it's like you, people just they're like pop up chefs. They like pop up a restaurant, 
and like you, mm-hmm. you need to it's like it's like eighty dollars a head like you have to pay just to get in there and you just eat what they make and I think with food trucks it's kind of the same thing if you blast I mean like if you have a, a fucking kebab on the side of your truck you know that that's a kebab truck so people are gonna go there expecting kebabs and they're gonna get a kebab and if they like it they don't if they don't like it they can just easily mm-hmm. walk away and go somewhere else I think being in a restaurant is harder because they're sitting down they're it's very intimate. there's kind of higher expectations yeah, higher expectations they're very intimate like there is no four star food truck there is four star restaurants or like two star restaurants or three star restaurants Michelin stars but food truck there is no is there is there I don't I mean I'm pretty sure there I don't know anything about like no you know like I, I don't think it's I don't think it's possible to, because I don't think Michelin stars are just for the food. I think it's also like the experience yes. of dining there. And like you said, there isn't really an experience to food truck. It's just, it's basically one up from a vending machine. You know, it's, you give the money, you get food, you fuck off. That's, that's all it is. You know, it's, it's very Spartan in that way. Um, so actually, I, I think you're kind of, you're kind of winning me over here to the idea. Um, if I could just go there and just put headphones in and just cook all day yeah. and not have to look people in the face, well, then sure, hell yeah. Still, <laughs> I'd do I it mean, a minute. I mean, look at it like this. If you own a restaurant, there's the front of the house and then there's the back of the house. The back of the house are the chefs, the cooks, the managers. The front of the house are the front managers and then you got the waiters, the waitresses, the hostess, and busboys. And food truck, same concept. If you think about it, you got the you got the hype man. You got the flavor flay, the guy that's going to be on the ground level taking orders, pulling people in. That's what they should be doing. The next person is the front of the house, the person taking the money, the person looking at you, engaging you. And then you have the people, the silent killers, the people that are making good dishes sitting in the back. See, when I'm passionate about something, I get really into it. And I love cooking just as much as you probably do. You cook more than me, I will say that. But the idea of having a food truck and being able to, you know, like, just... I don't know. I want to cook things for people. I do. And I, I cook for my wife and she loves it. But she's my wife. She's supposed to love it. I've cooked for friends before in the past. And they said, wow, I can't believe you've actually cooked this stuff. Um, and I'm, mm-hmm. but, but then again, their taste buds, it's just, it's just my friends. I want to cook right. for people I don't know. Like, you know, when it was an amazing feeling. And I know you get this because you still cut meat. But when I was a meat mm-hmm. cutter and I actually cut a gorgeous piece of ribeye and gave it to someone. Like... It's a great film when they look at it and they're like, damn. It makes you feel Yeah, you see their eyes light up. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's a reinsurance that I actually do kind of know what the hell I'm doing. And I feel good mm-hmm. about it. And I think that's mm-hmm. like, you know, that's that's it's a good feeling. And I, I want I want that feeling. So when when this happens, Griffin, you're coming. I don't mm-hmm. care. It's <laughs> it's comforting to know that there's somebody with just as many fucking neuroses as me. Like <laughs> People could could walk up to me and say, "Oh my God, we love you so much. We're so happy you're around. You know, please don't die." And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, "Yeah, fucking right, lying sons of bitches." So it's comforting to know yeah. <laughs> that I'm not the only damaged goods here. Um, but I understand 100% what you mean. You know, you make stuff for friends and family and stuff, and they taste it, and they're not they're never gonna be like, "Oh, this tastes like shit." You know, what the fuck? You wasted all day doing this. You know the 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 restaurant business and food trucks especially are kind of like the last great meritocracy where no one cares who your what your celebrity is or how you look or how you sound or something it's whether your food is good and worth the price or not um something else i wanted to touch on real quick and this this might this is going to get really interesting 
Um, because it's blown up a lot in the news recently. Gordon Ramsay recently got into a bit of shit over it. Uh, specific cooking cultural food, not just like ethnic food, but even something as simple as like gumbo. There was a big article in the New York Times about it. There's this big tiff going on down in New Orleans about what the definition of true gumbo. You know, the idea that if you cook a certain cultural dish, there are certain expectations the way that it's going to be made, and those expectations might be tailored differently based on the person. Well, because, see, see not, well, not to interrupt you, right? Th- just yeah. right there alone. Um, I'm, well, first of all, I did not hear about this, so this is very intriguing. Mm-hmm. Second of all, th- one of the greatest things about cooking is the freedom to express yourself. So to to take somebody's okay, so you're talking about gumbo. Yes, gumbo. You have to have X, Y, and Z to it to be official gumbo. Mm-hmm. But, so, but the thing about cooking is though, you have to be able to you know, change X, Y, and Z, maybe add a W, maybe add an H, just to make it your own. So I'm a, you know, I'm a little, that's, that's kind of weird, but go on. Yeah, well, to, well, to kind of to kind of fill you in on uh, on what's happened, Gordon Ramsay um, has been opening, opening so many fucking restaurants, Jesus Christ, uh, and one of them in London is, I think, called the Lucky Cat or something like that. It's, a, it's an Asian style of place. You know, the, the lanterns on the walls and shit like that. Um, and he got into a tiff recently with a bunch of different Asian uh, food writers and stuff because not only were none of his head chefs Asian, but the food there was a mix of different Asian cultures rather than one in particular. Mm-hmm. Like it was a mixture of Japanese and Vietnamese and Korean and all this kind of stuff, oftentimes on the same plate. Like you would get fucking kimchi and like Thai chili burgers and stuff like that. And it's basically like, what the hell are you doing taking our cultures and doing this fucking Frankenstein's mishmash of Asian fusion cuisine and none of you are even Asian? I see... I, I, see, I see both sides. And I don't know mm-hmm. if it's because, like... I don't know. But I, I, I do see both sides. So I see where people are coming from. Like, if you, you know... You grew up a certain way. This is this is your culture, and then someone someone takes that, but then they add like, you know, like you're saying a kimchi burger, you know, something 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 mm-hmm. odd or risotto. Like if you go risotto with uh, you know, with some I don't know something totally odd, like risotto on a pizza, like some something weird. Like these these are well, things- I'll tell you, I'll give you an example because I've actually done this and it tastes really good. Risotto with butternut squash, maple syrup, brown butter, and bacon. Well, how is that? It's a, fucking, it's fucking delicious, but it's not cultural at all. Yeah. Like it's not traditional risotto well, at all. Well, here's the other foot. So I understand the people that are talking about the culture because that's their culture. You, you know, there's we they've been maintaining it for thousands and thousands of years. But mm-hmm. we are humans for a reason. We the evolution of not just us as people, but us as food, as plants, as cars, as everything around us has evolved from, you know. 100 years ago to now so naturally by default i mean people are going to get bored and it's going to become redundant like i had the same risotto every single time but then someone comes along and put some butternut squash in there and some syrup i mean it tastes delicious so now you're see so i see gordon's side too it's like i'm trying to create something new something fresh but also give homage to your culture your culture and your culture i'm sorry if i'm stepping on toes but people love Mm -hmm. it (laughs) so I don't know. I, I guess the 
I guess the argument I'm uh, the question I'm trying to ask is given how fraught with potential consequence it is to be messing around in a culture that's not yours um, is the risk worth it for aspiring chefs and food truck guys these days to basically to, to fuck around to try and change different cultural dishes that they don't necessarily have any uh, any like birthright to absolutely hmm. what do you think damn that was quick <laughs> soon as start, well as soon as you started listing off everything I already knew my answer yeah. you want to know why yeah. I say absolutely let's hear it it's just literally I, I just kind of said it in a way but mm -hmm. um, it all goes back culinary innovation it's been around for millions of years I'm sure the cavemen and you know when they were cooking food or you know when the time started back all the way back then they they evolved they're like well what if, what if we add this 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 plant basil by the way we'll just say basil what if we add basil to this or what if we do that that's innovation but then again you know and then they took basil to another another continent that never had basil and next thing you know they have basil so it's one of those mm -hmm. things where you the only way to evolve even with food is to experiment and do things with it so i don't think it'd be well, I would have to agree, but for a different reason. Um, I don't really give a shit about human progress at all. You know, kill the whole human race is, is nothing to me. But uh, I'm more in it for the potential for a different cooking style to emerge. Like, French-style cooking has been kind of the the norm, the mainstream, like the, the master of one for so long. Like, it's it's untouchable. You do not fuck around with French cooking. And then it eventually made its way down to Louisiana. And the local Creole people started fucking around with it a little bit, mixing it in with their traditional dishes and what have you. And then before you know it now, we have Cajun-style cooking, which happens to be one of my favorite ways to eat food. Um, gumbo, jambalaya, cubion, stuff like that. Um, I'm not saying that fucking Gordon Ramsay's Asian fusion is going to kick off a new style of cooking or anything like that, but... I think these little kind of growing pains are something that we should not only like bear, like bear the burden, but I think it's something we should actively encourage. Mm -hmm. If for no other reason than for every motherfucker that's going to do like a Thai chili burger, there's going to be somebody who's going to come along and do something incredible. Like I feel the same way about the, like the dumbasses on Instagram. You see, they have like, I don't fucking know. They put, like liquid nitrogen in food so it makes a fancy little effect and then they get yeah. like these little edible like you've seen the edible balloons and stuff yeah where they they spin sugar crystals into a balloon and then they fill it up with some kind of edible gas and you're supposed to pop a hole and suck it and stuff does that look stupid yes is it a waste of money yes should people stop eating it yes but <laughs> would you try it if someone made it for you Yes. No, I wouldn't even take I it if would. it was free I would see I would I would why not why not why not eat an eatable? You know, why not eat a balloon? Why now not? look, if it's <laughs> if it's full of like weed smoke or something, if it's like the brand, if it's like the new <laughs> frontier of edibles, I'm down. But if it's meant to be eaten seriously as food, if I have to dress up and actually put on like human clothes and go out and have people call me sir and madam and all this kind of shit and sit down and eat a balloon. with their little suits to eat a fucking balloon. And it's served on like silk napkins, and I gotta tip the guy like fifty bucks for the privilege. No, fuck that. 
That's un-American. All right, well, if you go to a carnival and they're like cotton candy flavored balloons. Oh, hell yeah, man. <laughs> I'll, I'll spit my tobacco out my lip and then hey. just get on down. Yeah. Oh, that, that probably went oh, a little bit high. Man. You don't want to check, right. <laughs> check oh, your yeah. mic. <laughs> well, that... that That'd be a good where that'd be that's a good stopping point for this episode. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, oh man. Well, thank you everyone for listening. Um, for me ranting on about my dream job situation, I guess if it, if it mm-hmm. is a job. And I love, I always love talking to Griffin about food. So yeah, it's um, one of the, the few things I still give a shit about. <laughs> um, oh, before I get off here, um, you know. I don't know how many times I can give these guys a shout out, but uh, last week, oh Griffin, you probably don't even know, but last week we did. Um, Alex and I did an episode with this uh, other podcast that's here in Myrtle Beach. They're called Voices of Misery. You would fucking love them because they just hate everyone, just like you. <laughs> <laughs> but they're uh. but they're awesome. But the reason why I want to give them a shout out is because I just keep listening. This all right? So n- the guy, uh, the main guy's name's we, we call him Nerd. Um, I actually don't know his real name, so that's kind of mysterious. But I like it. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's Nerd and Nerdette. They're a married couple, and they do this podcast. And I think it's hilarious because every time I hear him, he just has this per- – I'm actually jealous. It actually pisses me off, but in a good way. His voice is just too fucking good. It needs to be on radio, and it makes me cry. But anyway <laughs> – Oh, those perfect, smooth, dulcet tones. Yeah, it's good. But they give us a shout-out a lot, so I just wanted to give them one more shout-out. Um, we actually will be on their podcast soon because they were on ours. We posted it to ours. And I think uh, Alex and I, or maybe it just might be myself. Alex is kind of busy right now. I don't know who it might be. It might be me and my wife. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But I just want to let everyone know that. That's my little spiel at the end of this. So thank you all. I'm sure that'll be fun. Thank you all. Let me see if I can play. And- Let's see if I can play an outro one. Oh. I guess we'll we'll see y'all in a couple of days for the fucking collapse of Game of Thrones as we know it. <laughs> Jesus Christ, kill us all. All right.